0: Greetings, 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 and welcome to Live Courageously, podcast show number four of 2022. We're living in very challenging and dangerous times, and it's because of that um, I chose the title Live Courageously, because that's been the conscious theme of my life for the last two years, since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. I was with my guest that I'm going to have on today at that time in February 20, uh, end of February in uh, Naples, Florida at an event he put on called Unstoppable. And that mindset and that belief set the tone for me for my, the next two years during this whole COVID thing. So as you know, the pandemic went on to shake the world and for too long, the dominant response was and still is uh, fear. We're now facing more dangers in the world and hardships in our country and fear is not the answer. Fear is a reaction, but courage is a choice. You need to choose courage to get through. I and the people I'm gonna be introducing to you on this show every week chose courage and choose to not retreat from life during the pandemic, but to cho- but they chose to move forward. So when I began to plan this show, uh, when I was up in Canada filming this movie, I created a list of 40 courageous friends that I wanted to interview and have a conversation with and uh, introduce to my audience. You'll be inspired by my guests. So let me introduce you today to a very, very special guest, my good brother, Jason Cisneros. Um, Jason is an author, a speaker, a success coach, a sales consultant, an entrepreneur, a business owner, a philanthropist, a podcaster, a comedian, a warrior against human and sex trafficking, and a patriot. Uh, Jason's career in the field of motivation and influence began with the most prestigious organization in the industry, the Tony Robbins Corp. Company, and Jason shot through the ranks working as one of Tony's peak performance consultants. He did so not through a traditional education, and you're going to learn um, he didn't start out privileged, so if if you're thinking that, you're definitely going to be wrong. But he started by what he calls a PhD in street smarts, poor, hungry, and determined. He was raised in an environment of drugs, abuse, and lack mentality. Jason traveled a road that most people only read about, from several broken noses, being kidnapped, witnessing family members held at gunpoint to ultimately watching the person responsible for all this, his adoptive father go to prison for the attempted murder of his mother and himself, he developed a unique view of the world. After living a life that included dealing drugs, spending time in jail, being homeless, and ultimately contemplating suicide, he reached the crossroads. From that point on, he became passionate about researching what causes people to behave as they do. He authored a book back in uh, 2006, I believe, called Destiny's Doorstep. And through real world experiences and with phenomenal results, he developed his uh, premier company, Anton J. And he has gone on to recreate himself many, many times and has worked with many organizations throughout the world rescuing children from sex traffickers. He connected up with one or such organization, CERT Ministries and the Slave Free Project, and he continues his rescue work with them. We'll be speaking about all this. During COVID, he became an outspoken boy, a voice against vaccine mandates and for freedom, and has spoken all over the country as part of a growing freedom movement. I say I've lived seven lives, and I'm working on my eight. I believe Jason beats me on the number of the lives he's lived. So, Let's welcome my good brother, Jason Cisneros.
1: Man, what? There's nothing left to tell, bro. Show's over. Congratulations, I
0: know, I know, man. <laughs> I, I was even going to do your Bald Avenger in, uh, uh, intro so I could get that out of the way too.
1: Yeah, yeah. You should have. You know.
0: I know, man. What? A, what? What? An amazing journey. And and I just cut. I cut it down just for the audience. I had to cut it down. I was like scrambling to cut this down because it's like. You know, I could be here for a half hour talking, just talking about you, man. That's
1: awesome, man. Well, I'm proud of you for your show. Uh, Obviously, you are a good brother of mine and somebody I trust implicitly. And as you know, you've walked a very interesting life uh, yourself. And, you know, every time we get together and get to have a couple of tequilas, I learn more and more from you and, and the stories that you tell So. Even without the tequila, but, you know, our tequila times are sort of legendary, actually, at this point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they are. And it's not a couple of tequilas. It's a lot more than a couple. They are legendary.
1: (laughs) We stop counting after three, bro. That's the rule.
0: That's it, man. (laughs) That way we can always say, how
1: many tequilas have you had? Three?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bottles? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. you know, I like to start out the show with two things. Usually uh, one is just because I tell people how we met. I don't know if you remember the first time we met, but I'd like to share that experience. But I'd like to have your take on it. Then I'm going to share my take on it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it was at a uh, I don't I don't know if we mentioned the event anymore, but, <laughs> it was. you know, it was a, a, an event in California um, and just getting to hang out with you like, you know, you're very you're one of those guys that that when you meet you, you're like, this guy is very unique, you know? I mean, from your accent, which when we're you and I are talking in normal environments, I have to translate, you know, <laughs> I have to translate what you mean by that. I'll do that you for mean, everybody over the course of the show, by the way. You mean my California accent? Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 I thought it was South Texas, bro. Uh, ah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But one of the things that stood out, about you to me was was how genuine of a person you are. You know, especially when you get around some of those events, which I have stopped going to. I think you've stopped going to those types of events. But you know, the good thing about it was that we, you know, connected me with people like you and some other friends that I made along the way. Um, you know, all part of all part of our journey, I suppose, um, as it were. But um, you know, when you're in that sort of environment and you meet somebody who's genuine, has real stories and you know, and, and is there because they want to learn and also share their wisdom and experience. That's, that's what stood out about you to me.
0: Well, what I remember, like you said, it was a, it was a motivational event and, um, in universal city. And, you know, that's the first time I met you and you were one of the speakers and there was, you know, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens of speakers, but, you know, watching you speak, there was one thing about you that was, what it was many things about you, but it was like, you were real. You were authentic. A lot of the other people were like, you know, people up there hustling, selling things, trying to sell people on stuff, but there wasn't um, the same kind of reality to them, you know? And so what hit me about you was that you were for real. You came, you, you came from the bottom. You weren't somebody that came from privilege. So that right away resonated with me. And then later, You know, uh, when I talked to you, we had uh, experiences with Tony Robbins and that journey in in common. But also there was one there was one thing that makes you very authentic that back then. And I don't know if you want to do it today, but there was a, you know, a certain roar that you did on stage, man, that it was like nobody ever would do that on a motivational event but you. And that's because, you know, you're unique and truly different. And that's what I uh, connected with instantly. And I said, you know, I got to know this guy. So, that's you you know, know, but.
1: The, where that comes from. It's interesting because, you know, our entire life, we're basically trained to sit down, shut up and, and, and follow directions. Right. And, and I believe that inside of us, I mean, this is the logo, right? This is the bald Avenger logo and he's pounding his, he's pounding his chest and it's not from a, a standpoint of, of like pride or ego. Um, It's, it's from a, a place of reminding people that they have a voice that, that, you're not meant to be quiet you're not meant to fit in you're we are all unique individuals and you know once you find that place let's it's an evolution I think for everybody your your evolution is a perfect example of that 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 people go through an evolution and you go through being a baby and being completely taken care of you know to being a, a child starting to find your personality you know getting away from your parents and going you know and and then finding your place in the world like I don't remember who said it but somebody very wise said that there's two times in your life why when you're born and why and when you realize why. And so many people don't make that evolution that evolutionary jump past selfishness into selflessness. And you know and so that that roar is basically because it puts everybody outside of this comfort zone. We've heard a lot about this comfort zone a lot of fortune cookie wisdom about our comfort zone that that exists on the internet and in books and motivational speakers mouths. But comfort zone is just a series of habits that you've built around yourself to protect you from failure. And, um, and there's a, a natural tendency for us to want to be, uh, protected from failure, but it's actually the opposite of that. This, the, the, you're not going to succeed unless you get comfortable for it, much less go seek it out. Look for places for you to fail because in that failure, you find ways to, to turn it around. And I started doing the, you know, the gorilla growl because it moves people out of their comfort zone. It's something that, you know, you see people in there and they're like, oh my God, what's happening, you know? And, <laughs> but it's that just a moment, like even a moment to stand out and go, you know what? I can, I am a beast. Like I have so much more power inside of me that's available. And that silly yell that we do and the silly, you know, the growl, I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things that we do, but it came from, you know, what do we do? How, we, how do we do this, uh, um, to, to move people in a mass way out of, out of their hypnosis that they're walking around in?
0: Well, you know, I mean, I, that, that to me, it was because you got the whole audience getting up and doing it and getting them to be, you know, and, and, and pushing them beyond that where they wanted to be. But what it was was to say, you know, be brave, you know, uh, don't, you know, don't hold back, you know, go let it out, man, be you know, be for real. And that's, that's kind of what I got from you in that the whole speech, but you know, that moment too. Cause you know, the rest of it is just like, well, you know, people go through, you know, motivational stuff. They take you through a whole thing and then they try and sell you the product that they want to sell you at the end. And, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting, but th- that's, uh, you know, it gets old after a while, but you know, uh, your thing was very different. So that's why I went up and, and I started talking to you and that started the connection, uh, yeah. that got us to go further. And then I got to know more about you as we've connected at different events over time. Um, and speaking to that, you know, for you, since the show is live courageously, and you're clearly somebody who has lived courageously on so many levels, what does what does that mean to you? What do you what do you see that uh, uh, that call to live courageously mean to you?
1: That's a great question, bro. I don't know that I've ever been asked that question before, but I, you know, the people I admire and the people that I've always em- wanted to emulate were people who were fearlessly themselves, right? Like there's this, there's this hyper focus today, and you know, and for especially for like maybe the last six, eight years, this hyper focus on our differences. And what I and and what that means is you have to pick a camp, sort of, right? You have to pick a camp and go camp out there. And then you get told all of these things it filters down from the people who are at the top who are a lot of times in collusion, by the way. Like they're they're like, Well, the best way for us to keep everybody um, under our control and voting us in a year after year after year is to keep them divided and hating each other. And, and so when people wake up from their slumber, which is kind of like what I do, why, why I go speak, I don't really, I mean, I don't think in, in however many years we've known each other, never really heard heard me sell anything from stage. People can look me up if they're, if they're associated, there's, there's lots. I mean, I've helped a lot of businesses. I've done this, I've done that. But at the end of the day, you know, Raising capital or, or uh, uh, financing for charities, you know, I do that a lot, but it, it's not what my time on stage is meant to do. My time on on stage is meant to have a unique, be wildly present with my with the audience to move them to that next level, not to be what Jason Cisneros thinks, or be the the political party that Jason Cisneros thinks, or give to the charity that I think, or whatever it is. It's literally to wake people up to the idea to be courageous in being who they are, right? And we're so afraid these days of being outside of that. Oh, if we don't post the right thing on our Facebook, if we don't, if we don't say the right things, if we're not talking about the right talking points on all sides of the political spectrum, right? Then, then I'm not going to fit in and I'm not going to belong anywhere. You're, you're meant to be ferocious in service of other people And that means that you have to, you know, you have to really increase your skill sets personally to be able to maximize and optimize your value to to the world. That's where joy is. It's not in the bigger house and the bigger car and the bigger jets. I've tried all that. Trust me. And there was no happiness in it. It was when I made that evolution into the idea that I'm put on this earth to be the best me that I can possibly be for the purpose of serving other people that my life really started to change. Now I don't have any time to judge other people. You know, I don't have time to hate somebody because they're a Democrat or hate somebody because they're a Republican. I don't have any time for that because guess what? The guy looking me in the mirror every single day has got shit he's got to work on, right? And and I and the better I can get at communicating, and the better I can get at loving, the better I can visit my fitness, my physically physical fitness, and my energy. And that I means the the better I can eat, the more I can love Emily, the more that you know that all of these things it's, it's about, it's a personal introspection before I can ever judge. And only people that are in that mode, and I'm not talking about just me, but these are people that I emulate only when you're in that mode, are you fit to lead in the first place, right? It doesn't matter if you have the biggest house or the fastest car or the fastest jet and there, you know, you're standing up there and you know, the cash is trashed stuff and you know, and blah, blah, blah. Now you got to you know by my seven steps to to being which by the way that's the name of my book it's seven steps but <laughs> <laughs> but you know my point is is that that those people that are worth emulating and that are living the life that you want to live they're they have chosen to be who they are and if there's any lessons and a lot of people aren't fit to teach from that level right they're not fit to teach from that level. So you it narrows it down to people that can actually translate. And when you get to the end of that translation of how they're speaking to you and what they're doing and what their behaviors and what their lifestyles are putting in front of you, it's essentially saying, here's the path that I took to become authentically me. And you can go do that too. Because everybody out there, you know, 8 billion people, there's some unique opportunities to step up and be who you are, not who the Democrat Party tells you are, not who the Republicans tell you are, who you should be, not Trump, not Biden, all these other people um, that that are out there telling you who you should be. It's the people that are leading the example of saying, hey, I'm being who the hell I am. Don't copy me, don't try to be me because there's only one me. And, And if you're truly being courageous, be who the hell you are and improve that person till the day you die. And you're going to live a much better life. That's what living courageously means to me. That's
0: cool, man. That's a good answer. And, and you know, it, within all that, you speak about um, serving ferociously or, or ferociously serving and, and then realizing that you always look in the mirror and you can be better. And, and within that, you know, you look at your life and your life, and I shared a little bit of it for the audience, but- you know that, that you had choices to make. We all have choices to make in life and people sometimes don't realize they have choices. They think, well, if, if I was born here, I have to be this, or if I had this bad experience, that means the rest of my life is gonna be the same. And you had those moments throughout all your life because you had choices to make and the way you started out your life, if you didn't make different choices, you wouldn't be where you are today, playing the role you are today you'd be in a much worse place if if you were even alive. Um, but you made those choices at that point, and you had turning points. And each time you took a different path. Tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, about some of that.
1: Well, it, it's those choices, again, before you even are able to, to verbalize it, right? And this is for your audience. Because a lot of times, we're, we, we say these things because we've do- gone down this path, and we don't realize that somebody might be in the middle of their transition, they may not even be in a transition. They might see this and go, oh, there's Jason Cisneros. Like, I can't wait to go hate on him some more because, <laughs> you know, and, and hear something that switches them into that, that next mode. But for me, it took, look, anybody that tells you that they are successful in life or has a successful life and they say that they did it by themselves is absolutely lying to you. I had people to this day that will never get credit, that never get accolades, that changed my lives. So my fourth grade, grade teacher to, uh, teaching me to fall in love with the, with the dictionary, the written word, to be able to transport myself out of the life of abuse that I was living through words and stories, right? Um, you know, my wrestling coach that taught me to believe in myself and that I could overcome. I didn't need to come from a wealthy family to To apply hard work and 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 uh, training to to become a champion, right? I, that that it had nothing to do with that; it had everything to do with me taking responsibility for my own workout regimen and learning the skill sets. To a football coach, Daryl Holt, right? Uh, and and then you know up into learning from Tony Robbins, taking some time to invest in me and Ken. You know, uh, um, uh, you know the the rich dad and poor dad books were written by one guy, but they're about a story called the rich dad. Right. And, and the rich dad has been my mentor and I, you know, and Jay Abraham and just on and on, I could keep going with the amount of people that have, have seeded into my life. And there's a difference between being humble, right? When I worked with Tony Robbins, by the way, I traveled around the world with him and spoke on stages and, you know, worked in a place or position called FSR. Um, which was doing presentations ahead of him coming into town to get people in the, in the environment. Um, you know, during that period of time I learned the skill sets of being able to communicate. Right. And to be appreciative. Right. I went on to, to be one of his platinum partners and all of that was like a thank you to him. You know, uh, while I worked for him, I didn't keep any of the money. I, I, you know, donated to one of his things cause it was, it's, it's that place of, taking from people and then dumping them on the side, or you, you are receiving something from them because I think most people want to mentor people. They want to take their lessons and, and seed it into people. But if you're just out there trying to pay the bills with a coaching program or a, you know, whatever it is, then it becomes a little bit more selfish than it should.
0: I hear you. You know, uh, I know you've talked about, and you've shared with me, I don't know if you, you you want to get into it, but you know, one of the turning points for you was you talked about when you were uh, at your lowest point in California on a cliff and then that movement moving you to a church, moving you to Tony Robbins. And that, you know, once again, it was like, sometimes I say in my life, doors have opened up and I've gone through and, you know, God had a bigger plan for me than I've had for myself at times. And that's why I am where I am today. But I think that moment for you was one of those, Uh, um, defining moments that your life changed forever.
1: Yeah. And I think every one of us has it, you know, it's, it's sometimes we pay attention to it because I probably had that call on my life multiple times, but I was burying it in booze or women or, you know, whatever, whatever was the vice that would keep me away from paying attention to fixing stuff on my, my own, my own, uh, uh, life. And, you know, but that moment for me was, it was kind of a do or die. I think when you work throughout your entire life the, to, to accomplish something and it falls apart in front of your face over and over and over again, not just once because we can overcome that, but over and over and over again, you start to to genuinely question, why am I even here, right? Why am I here? And so we quit and there's different ways that quitting looks. And I quit because I started drinking and I, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm not meant to do this. So I took a lower level uh, job and, and that just kept, it was a spiral. Life is about trajectory, you know, and trajectory is a choice. And so whatever trajectory you happen to find yourself on, if it's not the right trajectory, because most things are predictive. Like you can look down the road of somebody that has drank for 20 years and see a result. You can look down the road to somebody who lies, for 20 years and, and see the results. Somebody who cheats in their relationship and see the results. You can go down the road 10, 15, 20 years in any trajectory and any trajectory that you happen to find yourself on and go, is that what I want for my life? Yes or no. And if the answer is no, then you have the choice, the power of choice still to this day. I'm not sure how much longer it'll be around if China and Russia take over the world, <laughs> but, but we still have the choice to to hang our own stars, right? To change our own stars. So for me, you know, it was a moment to say, "Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna end it permanently." So now what? Right? It went from, "Okay, now what? What am I gonna do?" And that sh- just little bit by little bit, it didn't change miraculously overnight. I was still homeless, you know. I still divorced. I was still not waking up to the sounds of my kids and making them breakfast and all those other kind. Of, I wasn't, but and I was in the same exact spot prior to making the choice everywhere, except for here and in here, right? So now you start stacking up behavior changes. And this is what the I wish that more people would understand is that, that it's behavioral changes that are going to get you something. It's not whining. It's not complaining. It's not uh, delineating yourself as some sort of a victim. Or it was somebody else's fault or that per like blaming is one of the weakest things that you can possibly do. But we have a society right now that's right in front of our face that is rewarding victimhood at every little step that we can take because an empowered humanity, an empowered culture, an empowered country, an empowered group of people is scary to those that would like to control you. Right? So, you know, so for me, it was just little choice after little choice. It was two distinctions. Instead of okay, I would have done that. I would have had two beers. I'm going to have one beer. Instead of you know um, complaining about the boss, I'm going to find out what I can do to add more service. If you know, instead of um, getting in a fight with my spouse, I'm going to say I'm sorry. Instead of doing what I used to do, right? It's just those little changes, and find people who are where where you want to be. Like find those people, and put yourself in their life and see what it is that they're doing to have the freedom, to have the great relationship, to be happy, to be making an impact. Get yourself around those people as much as you possibly can, no matter what the cost is. You know, There's one thing I have been fearless about. When I find somebody like a Keith Cunningham or a, or a Jay Abraham or a Tony Robbins, I will relentlessly find a way to serve them until they allow me into their life because I want to learn what they're doing, right? Not what they say, I want to know what they're doing. And then I want to emulate that doing. I want to emulate those behaviors. I want to emulate those actions. And And so any you could pick any victimhood, um, you know, sort of vertical out there, color of skin, sexual preference, um, you know, gender identity, all you could you could pile all of those victim mentalities into a pile, and at the end of the day, the, the fight that you and I and, and Pastor Rudy and everybody that we're in, we're fighting for people who have lost choice, you know, um, the choice to respond, the choice to get better, the choice to, to change your environment, those choices. We, cho- we really work with people who are actual victims because they've had choice ripped out of their life. They're prisoners in their own home, domestic violence with you know, women that are, that are prisoners in their own home, little girls and little boys in the trafficking world. Um, you know, children and villages around the world that are starving to death. Like these are real victims. And, and so the idea is, is to take everybody else and go, look at the path of blaming everybody because of your skin color, because of your, your sexual appearance or sexual preferences, uh, because of where you live, because of your financial, because of your last name, because of all these things, Go down the path of people who live in that victimhood for a long time. What does it look like? And if it looks like suicide, if it looks like drug addiction, if it looks like jail time, if it looks like um, you know failing at business, if it looks like that, go. Maybe I, I maybe that's a, that's something I don't want to do. If I'm you know if I'm black or if I'm Hispanic or if I'm if I'm gay or if I'm straight or if I'm if I'm any of these people, what I want to do is somebody find somebody that represents what I look like and what I feel like and has come from my circumstances, find that person who's genuinely successful in life and model them. And I promise you that whoever that person is that has the freedom of choice, that has the happiness, the joy, the great relationships, all those things that looks just like you, comes from your same background, they are not playing the victim card. They're not. They're behaving in a certain way that you should emulate. And right now, our society, because they need you to be a victim, um, what happens is they destroy people like that. They want to destroy them because they don't want them to be the the people that are standing out and people that are being emulating them. Heart surgeons that are that are black, right? Because they're Republican, there there's some something wrong with them. Or you know, re- I could pick a a story from all sides of the equation, not being political, but saying that you should find the people. And, and what you'll find, and then I'm going to shut up, <laughs> you'll find, <laughs> what you'll find is, is that when you emulate those people, there's a choice that feels easier in the moment. And that's not doing the work. It's stepping back and saying, it's easier to be a victim in the moment. Long-term, it kills your spirit. It kills your soul. It kills your potential. It kills your relationships. It kills your, uh, your, your efficacy and your, and your, your desire, your, your fire for life, it, it kills it, you know, but then the discipline, which feels like it's harder in the moment, long-term pays off because you get to have not being prideful, but being proud of who you've become, um, as you rejected the victim card.
0: Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, powerful wisdom in what you've been saying and all that I remember, you know, for me, um, when I first attended Tony Robbins firewalk and seminar weekend seminar, I was, I was working in the post office at the time as a mail handler for five years. And I attended that weekend. I, and I came away with so much, it changed my life forever, but you know, uh, some of the key things that did one, I never got high on drugs ever again after that weekend, because I made a different decision. Like you said, I went on a different trajectory. Um, but also I, one of the things that I took away from that was to take hundred percent responsibility for your life and if you believe that you're never a victim again because you realize that your power now is in you you're empowered as opposed to believing that you're you're just a victim and everybody has power and you can't do anything mm-hmm. you know and there's um you know when you do that that puts you in a different situation and that's what you're talking about is that the whole belief that you're a victim and I believe that up until that point in my life of course I did. And I believe that when I was on the left, that you know we were all victims, and so all that uh, negative belief system changed. And once you change it, you go on a different trajectory. Now, like you said, it does, You were homeless. It doesn't mean that year after I did that seminar was the worst year of my life. Everything crashed. And I was like, <laughs> hey, I thought this was supposed to be the best year of my life. If well, because it's
1: all balancing on this on these lies of bullshit and victimhood,
0: right? And
1: so sometimes it has to get worse before it It gets worse.
0: (laughs) And then you get tested. Now, do you want to go back to what you had or do you want to keep going forward? And it's going to be hard. But if you want to keep going forward, you go forward. But if you go back, well, we know what back looks like. I knew what back looked like. And I'd be in the same place for the rest of my life. So that's when you make another decision. It's like, no, I'm going to stick with this. Yeah, it's hard. It's tough but I'm on the right direction. I'm going on the right trajectory and I'll yep. get through the hard time. And I think that's kind of a little bit of what you, 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 you definitely laid out very clearly. Um, What else? Let me ask you a couple other things. One of the other things that, you know, you talked about was, uh, you know, taking um responsibility for your life. You talk about the physical, you earlier talked about the physical as well. And, you know, there's a couple ways you've influenced me. One was the physical because, Uh, about a year or two ago, no, maybe, yeah, somewhere around there, you started this crazy 90-day 5 a.m. workout uh, routine, and you started giving me a whole lot of crap about having to get up at 5 a.m., which uh, I did, not being a morning person, but, you know, it shifted. I started doing it, and since then, I've been working out. Now I work out. I don't do it at 5 in the morning, but I work out seven days a week, and that changed, but it's like, once again, it's taking control of And all the things that we're not told to do is take care of our health, take care of, especially during COVID. You don't hear that message to take control of your health, to be responsible for it. It's basically they're telling you a different message, but just on the health side alone, maybe you can speak to that for a minute.
1: Well, it's, you know, first uh, let's do a couple of shout outs. I've been seeing the comments you're posting up here to Christopher, my boy, Davey. Good to see you guys. Nick DeCastro's out there. It's good to see everybody. Um, Yeah. So the physical side of, of taking care of yourself, again, it's a choice, right? It's, you know, you can say things like, well, it's, you know, uh, it's my family history. It's my, this, it's my, that, but we live in a day and age where we can damn straight read. There's so much information out there and our health a lot of times happens to us, right? That's how, that's what we think, but we, we can physically act on our energy level. We can physically act on our muscle structure. We can physically act. And one thing that I learned as I was coming, as I was doing my, you know, my third comeback, I guess, was was that I needed to have energy, you know? I needed to have energy. And so to hyper-focus on that and say, you know, not not again, fluff it off to, this is my bloodline, this is kind of how things are gonna be, but to radically interact and look at myself i even told my doctors at the time i said look i'm on this journey to become a demigod not big g cuz nobody wants to mess with the big man right but a small g a demigod <laughs> so and so how what can i do with my health and so i've been doing these radical experiences i put myself in the environment i find out who's leading edge or cutting edge on on anti-aging and and energy and you know for for brain uh, uh, enhancement for, you know, living a, a better, healthier life. I just look, none of us are going to get out of this world a- alive. None of us, which has been the the weirdest thing watching this COVID uh, branch COVIDians, I think is probably the best. They're a bunch of crazy, just love being fe- uh, afraid of everything when really the answer is in their own hands. Like we talked about <laughs> earlier, it's like lose some weight, eat better, you know, drink a lot of water, get some sunshine up your vitamin D, all of these things that we now know are impactful in fighting against any disease. But at the end of the day, while I'm here, I wanted to optimize my health so that I could enjoy the journey for as long as I possibly can. Right. Period. That was my choice. And so, um, you know, I, I think that if more people understood that they're, ability to influence on, on any sort of budget, by the way, your ability to be able to influence the level, the cellular energy level of your body. And, and a lot of it follows the thinking and and the idea that, Hey, I'm going to be happy because it's a choice. A lot of people, well, how are you always so happy, Jason, you're doing this, you're doing that. It's because it's a damn choice. Like I I have alternatives. I could be pissed. You know, we were having this conversation with my team you know, uh, with Anton Jay, who, you, you know, all of them, Joe and Carlos, they're like, I, I don't think we've ever heard you complain about anything personally going on in your life. And I'm like, because you don't give a shit. It's not a- <laughs> you have your own life. Like you get, you know, you have the the, the first thing that people start out there. Oh, you know, how are you doing? Oh, let me tell you, you know, it's just like this weight that they want, can't wait to put on somebody else because they think it creates relationship, right? And, and I know you asked me a health question, but this goes hand in hand, bro. Like it, it goes hand in hand when you dump on other people or you're just so negative all the time. I mean, we're in the middle of, uh, what are the, the biggest, weirdest crises, you know, in, in modern history, we're in the middle of it right now. And it's probably going to get worse, right? If if but, but the, at the end of the day, there's still a choice of whether you're going to be happy or not, because when you go to that negative place, I know there's a doctor that you and I both know and I used to be friends with. And now we're no longer friends because of his approach to being a, a, an attention whore when it came to getting clicks and likes and all the other stuff because he found this little niche. Right. He was in this niche that nobody knew him. Then he went out there and said, oh, well, here's the, the COVID stuff. And then he found the, the more afraid he could make people. And so now it's gone on two years and his audience is like, you know, it's the same 22,000 people and they all go away when he tries to talk about anything else. Right. And then they come back flooding in when he says, oh, guess what? There's going to be another surge. Like these people have, have uh, and I feel so bad for them. Like it angers me when somebody leads people through fear. Right. Either fear of a, with a, an iron fist or fear uh, of, of the things around them that they can't control and all these other kind of things. It irritates me. It's an abdication of, of leadership duty to put yourself in a place where 22000 people look to you for the best information on how to be afraid. Right. And they say, oh, I'm so glad you're back and I'm so glad you're talking about this topic and I'm so glad blah, 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 blah. And you, and you read through the comments on some of this stuff and you just see it breaks my heart that they're following somebody who's such a scumbag that they all they care about is their own likes and their views and the, the money they're making from all of that and, and the attention that they get, right? True leadership, as you've seen, you have to say what needs to be said in the unpopular moments, right? And you have to be willing to be unpopular Because there's one thing when I do pass, when I do go away, if that's tomorrow or in the next 10 minutes or, or a hundred years from now, my, my family is going to be able to look on how I did life in a way that they can emulate. I didn't have that, right? I didn't have that. I had to make it up by, by modeling multiple people so that my children would have somebody to look at and go, I want to be like dad. Like, I don't want that. I don't want my children. Biggest failure would be like, have my children go. I want to be like somebody else. Like, have p- bits and pieces of it. But I want them to say, look, I wanna, I, I'm want to. i proud of him being my dad. I want to be like him because of the choices he made in those tough moments. So back to your health thing is that that mentality is it, it makes your decisions prior to the opportunity coming in front of you, McDonald's, ice cream, or you know, right now I'm a, I'm carnivore and loving it. You know, you try different things. I'm thriving on carnivore diet and that's only eating red meat all the time. I I do eat some eggs and, uh, you know, and I have some honey in my tea, but other than that, it's all red meat all the time. And I've never felt better, you know, (laughs) never felt better. So the health, the health thing is a constant evolution for you, but, but it follows your mindset, right? If you have a poor mindset, if you haven't, figured out a a compelling future for yourself, something that, that draws you forward towards it and, and you'll believe you'll it becomes non-negotiable. Your health is a, is a lagging indicator to what your brain is thinking. So again, get connected to that higher purpose, be willing to walk by yourself and in the face of criticism. And then that'll attach to what you decide to put in your body, how you decide to, to really focus on what you're what your energy and your health is is looking like
0: well you know during the last 2 years too just you know the people I've kind of surrounded myself are people who I say had faith over fear and you know having fear not only is an idea but it's also a uh, and it's a reaction but it produces a negative of response in your body so it's not useful even from the standpoint of health. If anything, it's counterproductive to your health. So to be able to live your whole life in fear or live a year or two years in fear, you're damaging your health, you're damaging your longevity because of you staying in that place of fear. And like a week ago, uh, I had the honor, I was asked to uh, come and be part of a a picture with a group of, uh, it's called Wings Over Wendy's, World War II and Korean War veterans. And they've been meeting for 25 years. And these are guys who served, some of them are 80, 90, 95. And we took a picture together, 150 people in a room together with no masks. And we took a picture. And all these are people who were heroic during World War II and the Korean War. And now they're in their 80s and their 90s. And they're still courageous people. And it was like, I was just so honored to be in this room with these people going, man, this is what we need this is the spirit that we need is that, you know, that, that that will change your life. It will change your life for the better. And, and to, unfortunately people have chose other things and I, it's sad, it's real sad. Uh, you know, with the, the carnivore thing, just to comment on that, you and me both probably went to, I know we, I did, two years of being a vegetarian with Tony Robbins. And I say <laughs> it was a temporary insanity. It was the worst two years of my life. The worst, <laughs> but, the worst. So I, I identify with you. When I, when I was up in Canada, it was steaks every night. Now I'm not preaching, you know, I'm not telling people you have to do that. You want to be a vegetarian, go for it. Enjoy whatever you enjoy, man. You know, but we kind of go through the things that we go through when we make the choices we make. And, you know, I think... It's a healthy choice, in my opinion, and others will disagree, and that's fine. That's you know, we get to and do who it. cares? Like you know, this is
1: a this is a big issue. Like vegetarians and vegans. Like the issue is, it comes down to all of this is encompassed in do what you want to do and shut the. <laughs> shut the hell up. Like, right. let me live my life. I I don't go out and go, you know, if you want to wear a mask and a mask, I don't care. Wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You that's want to right. get the shot, get the shot. Like everybody go, Oh, it's anti-vaxxer. No, don't tell me or anybody else. You do not get the opportunity to circumvent the the constitution of the United States. Like no matter what you want to do, you can't shame me. You don't get to like, that's part of that part that first part of it right is the pursuit of happiness that that means i don't get to go on john's toes and go you know what i'm i'm impinging on your your ability to create and and live your life and and pursue your own happiness but you don't get to on mine either except for you know murder and all these other things where we need boundaries around laws and that those types of things but at the end of the day if you want to be a vegan be a vegan just don't, don't make, don't put in my face. Don't put I don't want, I don't, I don't, I don't put in the face. I'm like, Oh, if you, if you're not a carnivore, if you're not on the carnivore diet. Well, you are just uh, less than human and you need to die. (laughs) And like all the stuff I've had in my DMS the last two, two years,
0: you know, it's there, it's pathetic. Or, you know, it's like people forgot before the, uh, the pandemic hit people forgot so much that they used to be and the way they used to think. And now they think, they, they, they don't even think anymore because I, you know, we used to be able to question everything. And I remember like, you know, and that was normal. And not only was it normal, it was good. So I remember when I blew my Achilles many, many years ago and I went to the doctor and my, the doctor um, showed me a video about getting an operation and I looked at it, but there was a little thing about putting a cast. So when he came in, I, he said, okay, I'll set up the operation. And I said, no, no, no. Let me ask you a question. Why don't we just put a cast? And he said, why do you want to do that? I said, no, the question is, why shouldn't I do that? <laughs> and so we had this you know, heated uh, conversation and I wasn't being disrespectful to him. I was just going, I, I-, I want to make a different choice. You, I understand you make money operating. I don't have a problem with that. But what if I don't do the operation? What happens to me? And he said, well, you'll lose uh, mobility. I said, how much? He said, 1%. I said, I'll give you 3%. I don't care. I'm like, I don't worry about that. So, you know, you qu- we used to be able to question and not treat everybody like they were perfect. And so I didn't have the operation and I'm fine and I play basketball. I don't even know which leg I blew my Achilles on. But we had the right to question doctors. Now, supposedly, if the doctor believes in something, you can't question him because he, he's God. No, he has opinions, he knows stuff. Maybe it's stuff that you don't know, but you also know stuff that he may not know. And that you get to make the choice because it's your life, your body, simple as that.
1: There's a, bo- there's a book out there, which it, it applies very, very beautiful to, to this part of the conversation. And, and the name of the book is called Black Box Thinking, right? Black Box Thinking. And in it, I suggest that book to everybody. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about what's in the book and then how it applies to what we're going through today, right? Cool. Black Box Thinking li- lays two industries side by side, aviation and the medical world right? To your point of the medical world, they lay them side by side. And about the same time, they start tracking what their behavior was. And in the, in the uh, uh, aviation world, they developed this thing called a black box. And what is a black box, right? If you simplify down to, to, to the ridiculous, it's a box that captures mistakes so that you can fix it. That's it like, you know, whether it was pilot error, if it's uh, software, if it's hardware, if it's uh, the air outside, if it's weather, whatever it is that feeds in, there was an accident, get that black box, it goes out and it populates all the other the uh, education and says, Hey, you know, modify this. If you're in Brazil and you're headed to France, you know, here go up to 40,000 feet, drop down to 20,000 feet. You know, if you're over here and the, and the, the, the uh, um, pilot has decided that, they wanted to stay out drinking all night, and this happens. Don't do that. Like you know, da da da. It's this constant process of failure and improvement, right? Because at the end of the day, if you go up in a tube and and one out of every ten crashes, is that going to be an, a, a a thing that you want to do, <laughs> right? One in ten, not good. Now, get the well, the third light heart. Uh, the third highest level of of death, cause of death is going to a hospital yep the third highest level of cause of death is going to a hospital not it doesn't matter with what what you have you go in there and you got a broken arm and you get MRSA from the walls or whatever it is why because the aviation world decided that they were going to improve and they were going to stack on themselves and they've gotten so good i mean there's hardly any you don't hardly ever hear of any crashes anymore of major airlines because they're they have improved and improved and improved and improved. And and yet the medical industry, what they did was instead of that, they did a, a CYA campaign, right? A cover your ass campaign, a blame other people. So you could have you and I could be on opposite ends of the country having a tracheotomy, and one of us does you know seizes up and you can't and whatever. And, and you could go back and look at the things, uh, the, the medications, the you know, the air pressure, like all those things could be uploaded into something and go, okay, when this occurrence happens with a person that looks like this and has these issues, don't do this or do this instead. Or it automatically comes back and goes, okay, I'm looking at a screen in front of me and it's got all this data from how many people seized up during a, during a tracheotomy And boom, oh, I should try this, this and this. Excellent, boom, 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 boom. And then I live instead of die. But that's not how it's happened, right? You have major corporations that run healthcare industry pushing pharmaceuticals, right? They're pushing pharmaceuticals and they've got this, get them in, get them out, charge as much as you can to insurance. There's all of these issues that CYA has has caused. And so it's hidden, right? It's hidden. And we are supposed to trust doctors, but we don't anymore. Not at the level that we that we used to, because we're not listening to them. They're corporations and they're profit-driven corporations. And there's insurance companies trying not to pay stuff. So the same exact thing is happening. You put a, like, you know, let's use a Trump and a Biden situation. Biden makes you feel good. Trump says some stuff that makes you feel bad, right? But Trump puts it all out there and we end up getting, getting this, feedback loop where we get involved as citizens. That's called civic duty has nothing to do with Trump by the way, or has nothing to do with Biden. It has to do with when a huge group of the United States decided to abdicate their responsibilities civically. Now it becomes somebody else's uh, deal and they get to, de- they get to design what it looks like, right? We've given it away. So now if we, if we have more of a, a Trump like approach, put it all out there. Let's deal with the mistakes. Let's talk about it so that we can incrementally improve. And that is what the United States of America has has been good at for 240 plus years is process imp- improvement by having two parties that opposed each other in an honest way, not personal destruction, but arguing over the actual pro- uh, uh, processes and procedures and, and policies not destroying each other, but arguing over the policies that would then improve. That's why we don't have slavery anymore in this country, right? It's Anyway, Don't go. I won't go down that path. But the point is, at the end of the day, is that we need to get, if you go by feelings, we are going to be a third world country and we're headed there. We are going to be a modern version of what happened in Venezuela if we don't correct course.
0: Well, we're going to, in a little while, we're going to go to that conversation. uh, but We'll wait a little bit on that because you started me off on it a few years ago by interviewing me on your podcast. So we're going to go back to that one and we're going to go a little deeper into that because things have changed a lot since those three years ago that you interviewed me on the podcast. Changed a hell of a lot. Um, Yep. So I'd love to kind of go a little deeper with that. But what you're saying, too, that uh, the black box thinking, what, what's it called? The black box?
1: Black box thinking. That's the name of the book.
0: Thinking. Yeah, it's an uh, excellent uh, thing I think people should read. And I think that's, you know, you 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 talked about how you became a reader when you were in the fourth grade and you were influenced. And you've read so much and you're such a massive reader. That's what we have in common. I mean, to me, you know, t- to me, heaven is I get to read every book that I didn't get a chance to read here because I just I love uh, learning, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. we're being conditioned to not only to learn the stuff that agrees with us, and, and when in reality, we should be learning the stuff that doesn't agree with us, so it can challenge us, make us think, make us grow. But that's not the way it's being presented anymore. So that's a sad thing. And that black, and and like you're saying, with the black box thinking, with the medical industry, all those things are true. So we're in an environment. And I'm old enough, you may be old enough to remember two years ago, but we used to question the pharmaceutical companies back then, right? You know, all of a sudden they went from being questioned and being uh, all the stuff that they were doing wrong. Now they're all Mother Teresa's. And I'm like, how did they become Mother Teresa in two years? I don't understand that process because they're the same companies still driven by the same things that they were driven by two years ago. Same thing. And nobody wants to give them any question anymore. Why? Why is that?
1: Well, because the leaders of our company, it's a, this is look, so everybody I get asked a lot when, you know, when I'm doing uh, from stage or or on podcasts or whatever, I get asked a lot like, is there like some cabal that's organizing that? Look, there might be some people that know each other from other countries and they might be working together on certain things. But at the end of the day, rich people hate each other more than poor people. poor people hate each other. And, 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 and I can speak to that, you know, very well, that's a whole other show. But what I'm, what I mean by that is that the one thing that people are, are tied around, it's a culture, right? A culture is simply a group of humanity, a group, a group of human beings that agree on a way of life, right? That's a culture. Mm -hmm. And so what we have now is we have a culture that has approved greed at all costs. It's a winner-take-all mentality as opposed to what founded this country and what this country was built on was the, the theory of enough. If I've, okay, great, I've made $7 million back when that was worth like $100 million back in the day. Now it's time for me to pay my people more or to give them more time off or to build a library or to donate to, um, you know, to food issues or to whatever it is. There was this concept of enough. But when you have, now you have winner-take-all and you have the people that are in leadership that are on committees that are making decisions about our relationship with the Ukraine-Russian war. They're making decisions about our health and mandating shots and they're driven. They look at it and they go, okay, one second, let me go buy a whole bunch of Pfizer stock, right? Because I'm a Senator or a Congressman who knows that COVID's coming down the, the pike. I know that we're gonna we're gonna uh, resource Moderna and Pfizer and you know whoever else it is. And by the way, let me let me grab some of that stock. That's called insider trading, and they should go to prison and I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat, it doesn't make make a difference to me. If you're insider trading and you bought stock ahead of COVID or bought stock in, in Pfizer, or you're buying stock in, in military complex uh, stocks before a war that you know is coming before the rest of the world uh, does, that's insider trading and you should all go to jail. All of them, all of them, okay? Agreed. Agreed. Now the media, the media gets a tip off from their from their from the oligarchs that are in Washington, D.C. And they say, hey, go buy this stock. And they're all working together, right? The, the, the big major corporations and the, the government and our media, that is a third world country. That is a communist-based uh, uh, economy. And it does, and it will, it's not sustainable, right? It's driven by greed, period, end of sentence. And so if we could get these people out, we can vote in term limits. There's all kinds of stuff we could do. And Trump, through all of whatever you think about him, was leading us back down the path of self-governance. That's it. Like that's that's the that's the greatest thing because at the end of the day, it's, it shouldn't be up to the president. It shouldn't be up to Congress. It shouldn't be up to senators. It shouldn't be up to our media. It shouldn't be up to our governors how we're living our life. We're they're supposed to be implementing the dictates of we the people. Anyway.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to uh we're about uh up to an hour. I want to cl- kind of close this uh thing. Have you buttoned this up and then I got take us into the next hour and I got three things I want us to cover. One, I want you to get into uh, all the work that you're doing on human trafficking and sex trafficking. I want you to speak about that because it's such a powerful issue and your work is a uh, um powerful. That's one. Two, I want to speak a little bit more on vaccine mandates and the stuff that deals with that and you're doing speaking on that. I want to speak to that. And then the third part will be we'll speak to some of the political stuff left to right. We'll talk about, uh, you know, my podcast where you, you know, had me come out and speak about my background as a former communist leader to where I am today. But we'll do those three pieces. But just to button this up, because before you moved into the um, a focus on doing the work on human trafficking, and and particularly with cert ministries, you know, your world was primarily speaking, motivation, entrepreneur stuff, and that's where we connected on that um, motivation world. But then the world changed. Mm -hmm. And when the world changed, some people didn't change, and some people did, you clearly changed. But just to button that up, you know, you have a philosophy of what what your purpose and mission is. So why don't you just kind of end on that note and then we're going to move into uh, human trafficking and sex trafficking, if that's cool.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, you know, the sh- the shift is always happening. Um, you know, you go because I'm always look, nothing in this world gets done. I told you this in the beginning, right? Nothing in this world gets done by yourself. It doesn't. You have to be surrounded by like minded, like hearted people that are willing to work and to do, the, to, to do the work. So you're gonna go through different groups of people. You're gonna have friends today that aren't your friends tomorrow. You're gonna, you're gonna evolve through these things, if you, especially if you're on a trajectory to optimize who you are as an individual, right? And, and you don't get to that place until you've accepted some version, right, of the simplicity of the idea that I was put on earth, God put me on this earth to do two things. To be the best me that I can possibly be and not stop there, right? Not stop there, but for the purpose of serving other people, right? And it's that jump, right? Those are the people that I'm after. Like some people are like, oh my gosh, like like our doctor friend that that I think is a huge scumbag now, right? He he had the opportunity. He had morals, he had his head in the game. And then he decided to scare people for a living, calling himself a doctor. Doctors don't do that. Doctors are supposed to give you certainty, right? Doctors are supposed to give you uh, an approach. They're supposed to, to, to heal you, not keep you sick. And, and so it, it, it really does boil down to that transition is always happening still to this day, John. Um, you know, you've been with me through several transitions in my life. And, and I'm looking to always become a better version of myself that I can look back from my deathbed and, you know, and, and say, you know what, that was a life well lived. And to be able to, as I'm floating up to heaven, be lo- able to look down on my, on my, uh, my, um, my, uh, uh, what the hell you call it? My funeral. <laughs> <But> it, <laughs> never think about it. So I forget the name, but my funeral, <laughs> and see my friends laughing and, and crying because, uh, we, you know, because of the moments that I was there for them. And, and laughing because of the the tequila that we shared or, and my kids being proud and, and laughing and carrying on a, a legacy worth, worth having. And, you know, there's lots of opportunities for us in this life because that was part of my first phase of my life. There's a lot of opportunities for us to make decisions that benefit us as an individual the most. And most of the time when that happens, it is the least the, it's the it's going to bring you the least amount of pride on your deathbed, because those are moments that that really you have to compromise a set of standards which I didn't have when I had a criminal's set of standards because that was my adopted father and that whole you know lifestyle. But when you decide to adopt a, a higher level of lifestyle, um, it 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 really does cost you those moments of being proud when you're doing stuff just for yourself. So I would say that transition has been ongoing. I hope it continues to go that I make decisions based on what's going to be best for the overall and, and, you know, saying, I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made saying, so I'm sorry for the people that I hurt and moving on to make better mistakes, a higher level, a higher level mistake.
0: Well, you know, making those transitions, I think, is a gift, a blessing, because a lot of times people get stuck in an identity and that becomes their identity forever, whatever that identity is, whether it's a small one or even a big one. But they get stuck there and they don't grow out of it as times call for a new growth, a new development or new questioning of what else you can do. I mean, last last night I went to, I was honored to get invited to uh, this dance performance uh, called Sign, Signs of Strength that was a bunch of military folks were part of together with this dance uh, troupe which is the most amazing dance thing I've ever seen in my life but the thing was these military veterans it shared their story both uh, um, verbally but then also through dance about what they went through in war in watching people die in the signs of strength healing again resilience courage all those things and you see these young military veterans and it just kind of hit me again, just made me as I walked out of that performance, I said, you know, once again, to question myself, what else can I do? What else more can I do? How else can I be more of service? Because whatever I've done up to this point, okay, but that is even more and more is what I want to do. So that's the thing I think in you, you've always done that you've always stepped into growth and more. And you always found a way to uh, serve and contribute on even bigger levels. And so Doing that, uh, Jason, I think one of the things if you can just share with the audience your step into particularly and you can share whatever you want around it, but CERT and then the Slave Free Project and why that became um, such a focus for your service and what you do.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I, as far as I can remember, you know, because my adopted father, you, you just told the story at the beginning, because my adopted father went to prison for attempted murder when I was 17 of me and my mom. There was a lot of, of years before that that were, you know, that were filled with abuse. And so I've always had a heart for the world of domestic uh, violence, because a lot of people are like, oh, they should just leave. And, you know, nothing makes me mad, more mad than thinking, if you're if you if you know anybody that's been a victim of domestic violence, the, the 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 hardest thing to do is to leave because there's violence, there's retribution, especially if you have kids. Like he would, you know, he would end up, um, you know, kidnapping me and go, you know, going to these different things, uh, you know, to these different lengths, and then holding her at gunpoint, and if we would both actually miracle by a miracle get out of the house together she would, or he would go and hold my grandparents at gunpoint until we came back or her, uh, you know, my aunt or whatever it was. So, um, you know, I, I think that trafficking for me was one of those moments where I went to a fundraiser because I was already involved in fundraising. I was back when I was, you know, when I was, I had my own portfolio of businesses and and uh, and doing that kind of thing. And then from helping from in the domestic violence world, I went for, to feeding people because that's a lot of domestic violence happens because of food insecurity, and you know some of these ladies having to be where they're at because they're either that or they're they're going to starve or their kids will starve or whatever it is. Like there's a hundred million decisions that people have to make of why they're in those environments in the first place, but food insecurity is a big one. And and so then I got invited to another fundraiser about human trafficking, and I'd never even heard the term before. You know this is going back eight years or whatever. And, um, and I went and I watched a movie about the subject and I was like, I came out of it going human trafficking is not human trafficking. It's the rape of a child for profit. Like, why are they softening the language? You know? And it infuriated something inside of me, bro. Like to see these, these innocent children being utilized left, right, and center, like at a high rate, And the the movie was actually what was about what was going on outside of our country. And so that's where I got my start. So I went, I went to the I couldn't go home because I was so pissed off. I went to the park. I parked. Sun came up and you know, I was crying. I was like, I just one of those things where you're as as a, a human being, you think to yourself, this is horrific. How are we living in a world that allows this? And that, you know, and so I went, I went live, I did my first, one of my first Facebook lives and, and I went live and I said, I, this is something new. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do about it, but I'm going to do something. And somebody watched that video and said, Hey, Jason, you know, this is what we do. We do rescues. You want to go with us? And I did, I started down that path, went from that first rescue unit to another, to another, to another, to another, that eventually led me to pastor Rudy Gonzalez, who runs uh, an organization called cert ministries, S E R T. Search, evangelize, rescue, and train. And um, as you know, because you've now been introduced to the family, unbelievable human beings. Just unbelievable, um, kind, caring, sacrificial, everything that you could possibly imagine. Everything that I um, was looking for in the church in my early days of being in religion. And then when I left the church and got really, really angry at God, and not really angry at God because I never really wanted to step across that line, <laughs> you know, but, uh, when I got angry at the church that, um, you know, that, that he is, his family lives the way, not perfect, you know, none of us are, but loving and nonjudgmental, um, you know, and, and sort of being a reflection of what Christ could be on planet on the earth. Right. And that's kind of what we're called as Christians to, to be is a reflection, not judgy, people that show up in their Sunday best and, you know, and pay the preacher to to absolve them of all their sins while they go back out and sin again. Right. <laughs> it's like, so, so that, that led me into, you know, the world of trafficking. I'm still working in domestic violence. I'm still CEO of, of feed a billion. Um, and, and, but the work that we do with certain ministries, that's my family, you know, pastor Rudy and his family, his two daughters, his wife, every, every person that donates time and and goes undercover and puts their lives at risk. That's my family. And so uh, I'll be doing that for the rest of my life. And I hope to be doing it with the Gonzalez family for the rest of my life.
0: Well, I know you introduced me to pastor Rudy and his family and, and truly some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. And I hope to have them on my show and, I got the two of you on uh, Steve Bannon's show talking about sex trafficking uh, a while back. But I remember the thing that uh, Rudy told me, I mean, there's so much. But, you know, I remember because he, he's had such an amazing life as a Force recon Marine, uh, being over in uh, Africa during the Ebola crisis, being a police officer and then being totally burnt out. And, he, you know, I remember him telling me he went to church and uh, uh, somebody came in and spoke about child trafficking, and he was so angry that he cursed God. You didn't curse God, he did. And uh, he said basically, you know, God, how could you let this happen? And he said at that point, the first time ever, he had a comp- God. He heard God's voice and he said, no, how could you let it happen? And that moment, I mean, it just, I, I mean, shivers just came on my arms again, just repeating it. But when he mm-hmm. said that to me, that changed his life because he went on a mission and with his family to do what he does and that you're part of as part of his family in yep. doing it. But like you said, that's real victims. That's the people in the world who are real victims that you guys are going out and rescuing, um, not the fake victims on social media, you know? And uh, that's just such a powerful thing, but you put your lives on the line to do it. And I don't think people understand and just how big a problem it is in our country, not alone in the world. In the world it's even probably bigger. But even in our country, it's such a huge amount of children who are raped and sold and, and abused on a daily basis. It's uh, and you know it much better than I do because you you've done it out there as a as, as a warrior.
1: Yeah, my fight, brother, is as shift again. It's an evolution in everything that I do. And my fight,
0: you know, obviously
1: I'll always do the rescues as long as as long as Pastor Rudy will have me, um, because you know, and and I think you were at an event um, at one point where somebody in this, in the audience asks, well, don't they just go back to the lifestyle? And I'm like, it infuriates me. A lot of people think these things. It's like, you know, just for domestic violence, why don't they just leave? Okay. Obviously you've never been in a domestic violence situation, right? And Oh, okay. Because there's a, a large recidivism rate from these little girls and boys that get pulled out of the sex trade that they end up going back in because they're, you know, then that there's a little girl or a little boy that's out there we should just yeah let's just forget it like let what's the point right what's the point of doing that and it's always angered me like you you get you know you just got I just got shivers because that i i i can't i can't even fathom that level of thinking but my fight goes has evolved we've got prevention which should be happening to let parents and kids know that social media is the the new white van that sweeps by the the um you know the the schoolyard and, and steals kids it's social media that's where that's where they they are already have already are contacting your kids through snapchat posing as a 13 14 year old boy whatever and they're already there so you know that prevention piece of telling parents don't be your, your kids friend There's plenty of time for that when they're all grown up but right now be in their phone right be on their social media Get uh, get the app called Bark and and see everything that's coming in text message pictures going in pictures going out. Be a part of your kids' life because that preventative, uh, it will be huge, right? But again, you you look at our society as a whole that has tried to break up the 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 cellular family, the core family values, all that stuff. That that's a bigger picture. That's the culture thing. But then you go to the rescue where you're pulling them out and. What happens when you pull them out aftercare aftercare is very difficult. You have to, you know, you have all of these things that are going on with that child that they have to overcome now. But the, but the piece that I'm really taking my fight to this next year and the next four or five years is really to the politicians, the lawmakers, the, the, the police, you know, these people that are on the other side that are supposed to be creating a deterrent, for these actions. It's the fastest growing crime on the planet. Why? Because just this bust, I just posted about it. You saw my, my, bus. they did a bust at, um, in Florida and 108 people. They had an ex judge, they had people that worked at, at Disney, they had all these people that were per- participating in this and there's no shaming of them, right? Like if you're a pedophile, they care more about your privacy than they do if you have a cold called COVID. Right? You have to produce paper to get into a, a restaurant. I mean, thank God that's starting to go away because of a lot of millions of, of of warriors that are out there. But they're they don't they don't deserve privacy, right? They need to know everybody that's around them. If if they move into your neighborhood, they need to know. When they do get caught, there there needs to be like what has happened in Arizona, a bill called. HB 2889 that was passed on the house side by Benesi and on the Senate side supported by Borelli that child porn, um, child sex trafficking or uh, pedophilia gets you an automatic, basically a life sentence, right? That there, because there has to be that deterrent. And there's so many people that are in power right now that are involved in this stuff that that's why it's not happening. You know, you could you could all day long. It's like the the story of somebody that's at the river and they're jumping in to save that person and they're jumping in to save that person. Pretty soon they drown themselves. Nobody comes along and says, hey, who's throwing him in? Right? right. There's so many things that we could be doing as a society, but we're worried about all these issues that are basically, in my mind, dead and gone. Right. I don't see racism in my life. I don't you know, I don't part. I don't participate in it. I don't see it you know, I work in the world of business, which is all pragmatic. We all get along. Nobody asks, Hey, um, Oh, you're, you're black or you're white or you're Hispanic. I can't do business. Oh, you're gay. I can't do business with you or uh, whatever. Oh, you're a Republican or Democrat. I can't do business with you. It doesn't happen in the world of business, right? Because it's about putting together the best deal for both parties. That's right. So, um, you know, so anyway, I don't, I don't even know where we were going with that, but at the end of the day, my fight has transitioned into Yes, still doing the rescues. Yes, still doing the best to find and fund aftercare and doing the prevention work. But it's going after politicians. It's on their back to set a deterrence to this disgusting behavior in this country. Like I said, I started out of this country for the last four years. I've been here in the United States and it has grown and grown and getting worse. And there's people that are in power that are participating in it. They're all, Even if they're not participating in it, they're allowing it by passing weak-ass laws. You and I, you're in California and we're walking down the street. You got an eight ball of cocaine in your pocket and they pull you over and they find out I'm a human trafficker. You're going to do more time for the eight ball of cocaine than I will for trafficking people, right? So it, it's all out of whack. That's where my fight's going.
0: No, it it, it makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I, it, I, I read, I don't know if it was uh, exactly true, but like Supposedly 45 percent of the people arrested in Florida, and I may be wrong on that, have been people who work for Disney and and down at Disney World. So so it's a mind boggling thing. And the the reality, like you're saying, is trying to deal with the politicians, because if we're going to change things, that's where we got to start influencing. And that's where people are getting involved in the fight. And we're going to go into the political in a few minutes. But that's one issue you obviously are taking on because you gotta hit, you know, it's almost like there's people out there who want to uh, change the, you know, the concept of pedophilia as to to be not a bad thing, that it's okay, it's just, you know, it's just thoughts, it's just ideas. And that's all part of a way to kinda, you know, make it legitimate, make it acceptable. When in reality, it's uh, child rape, as simple as that. So um, what needs to be that Arizona law, 100% life prison, absolutely. Why not? It It
1: needs to happen. And, you know, as long as they're allowing, Paul, and, and when I say they, I mean us, because we're the ones that are allowing, we have the government that we deserve, period. And so that's why I'm fighting so hard to be able to get new sort of blood in there. Um, You know, because at the base of our, of our country, it was supposed to be, we go to, we sacrifice, it's a sacrifice to go serve. We set no laws against ourselves, And then we go back to public life. That's not what's going on. And so you have people that are like they're they're passing laws because somebody wants to be referred to as she shim and him hey and ho ho and hey ha whatever because of pronouns and stuff when when we and we're not putting more emphasis on child trafficking I could give a shit less what you want to be called. If I don't if you and I meet and I don't call you the right thing and you're offended, don't be my friend, right? You don't like my show, don't watch it. You don't want to listen to me, don't don't listen to me. Right. At the end of the day, you cannot force people to call you these stupid, this stupid pronoun, pronoun bullcrap that's going on is insane that we've even allowed it to happen. Right. It's like, oh, let's let them do it. It's like that kid that asked for a cookie and ice cream for breakfast. What? We're a country who's just like, go ahead, eat the ice cream, have the cookie to whoever whines about it. You know, and at the end of the day, some of this stuff is predictably horrible defund the police, like that did more damage to, to, to uh, communities of color than any single thing that could have happened in the last decade, right? That one, oh, let's get on board. Let's uh, defund the police. I'm sorry. I'm in those communities. So I don't care if somebody wants to come on here and go, oh, blah, blah, blah. Jason, you're white privilege and you're blah, blah, blah. It, none of that matters to me. What matters to me is what I see happening in these communities because that's where we are. That's where we do a, a huge portion of our work. And you all that that all the especially the 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 white liberals on the right supporting that and not living in those neighborhoods and and supporting those kind of of stupid. Stupid things because they wanted to be seen as, oh, I'm at Starbucks and we can look at each other and high five each other on on how much we care about our society and blah, 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 while they're ruining and destroying the lives that they are high fiving each other for helping. Right. It's ridiculous. It's the most racist thing that has happened in this
0: country. And it came from the left. Yes. And we we're about to go there in a minute. In a minute. Uh, you know, and and. Here's the thing. Last night, uh, one of the veterans who was uh, a a commander in the uh, army was talking about, and like you said, with the politicians, you know, they've spent on a national level millions of millions of dollars for, uh, for the VA and for veteran stuff. And yet 22 veterans commit suicide every day. In California, they've spent, I mean, not millions, billions, excuse me, billions have been spent on homelessness and homelessness increases. And to go back what you said earlier with The book, Black Box, if you spent billions of dollars and 40% of your planes were crashing, you have a problem. But they're comfortable with spending billions of dollars on homelessness, on veterans, and accomplishing, not only accomplishing nothing, the conditions keep getting worse. So where's that money going to and what are they doing with it? And same with the defunding the police. Instead of getting a better result, they're getting worse results. And so they're like, well, yeah, let's throw more money into so we can get even worse results. I mean, it just boggles the mind, the stupidity of, of people on that, uh, with those belief systems. But um, yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> you know. Um, I, 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 maybe we'll go there now. What the hell? You know, so a few a few years ago, um, you had me on. And at the time, you it was called From Left to Right. And uh, meet in the middle, and I, I think that was the name of it. And we talked about a bunch of things. You interviewed me, and then you started asking me about some of my political stuff, which I, at first I was kind of a little bit hesitant to talk about. I wasn't really wanting to come out of the closet, so to speak, um, politically. So, but you know, we had a great conversation on that. And since that time, I wrote um, a memoir during COVID called From Mal to Reagan, a Born Again American. So it kind of, takes my journey from the far left being a communist Maoist leader to becoming a conservative and to becoming what I'm in transition now, because there's a lot of different words. I don't fit like you. I don't fit into one box, nor do I ever want to fit into one box. You know, it's like, um, but I think there's, you've gone on a, uh, a journey Once again, you've stepped into the political arena on on every level, doing your speaking engagements on the freedom tours that you've done throughout the country. And so, you know, we're in a a time where I would say, just in my opinion, and love your opinion too, you know, in the past, it was a real clear uh, left-right division. And I was on the left, and then I moved to the right. And that was clearly what the division was. And, you know, you're for communism, you're for the freedom, and, you know, something's in the middle. But now I think there's a realignment happening and it isn't left-right anymore. It's more the elites versus the people. And the people are freedom-minded people. And there's people who are from the left, the middle and the right, libertarians, uh, whatever, all kind of kind of seeing things, finding a way to kind of come together and realizing that you know we have things in common, but there's some people who are the problem. And that's what we need to address is that change. And you see it in media with- people that you never expected before Uh, leftist Glenn uh, Greenwald, who's a journalist speaking, uh, Bill Maher speaking, um, you know, um, Naomi Wolf, Barry Weiss, all these people who you never would have seen with a different political point of view, who stepped out of their tribe, who stepped out of their, their, their silos. And now they're starting to communicate with everybody. And I think that's where uh, Joe Rogan, just a whole range of people who are just starting to uh, bravely go where uh, man hasn't gone before, so to speak. So uh, throw it at you, man. Tell us a little bit about your journey into that movement. And once again, going from motivation to um, human trafficking to then speaking and speaking on political stuff. Tell us a little bit that uh, what, what triggered that in you.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, so my grandfather who to this day was my hero, I mean, to this day for, you know, and he's, he's passed now, but he was a Democrat right. A Kennedy, JFK Democrat, right. Working man where, you know, just died in the wool. And so that I was going to be whatever my grandfather was. Right. And then, you know, and and I, it was during a period of time I really didn't care about politics. You know, it hadn't, it hadn't kind of gotten to me yet, but then I started in, you know, I went and I actually started running a business of my own. And I was like, these, 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 uh, the Democrats, this is not the same. I even had a conversation with him right before he passed. And he goes, he goes, he says, Jake, my nickname with him was Jake. And, and, uh, he goes, I, he goes, I see it. He goes, but I'm not changing my registration. I'm going to die a Democrat, (laughs) you know, but we'd have the conversations. I was like, look, the Republicans, you know, at that time were, were more in line with production and, you know, learning and, and failing if you failed and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And the Democrat side of it was switching over to this ultra liberal crap that we have now. And so, you know, so I, I was Republican for a little while and, and, and then I started looking at it like there's, this is the, this, you know, two ends of the same snake. Like they, they're, they're just as bad as each other on, on both sides. So then I was like, okay, well, what's in the, and I don't know, I think I defined it as the middle, but what's the alternative to what is most in alignment with the founding document called the Constitution, right? And I think that Libertarian, like that that belief, that that sort of mentality behind Libertarian is the one that fit best for me, right? And so then I became a Libertarian and really looking at life through that lens and the Libertarian Party are... Uh, oh. I mean, there it's, it's a disaster, you know, because at the end of the day, what has to happen sometimes is you have to stop bitching and moaning. You know, my, my career has been in fixing broken companies, right? And that takes leadership and whether that was fixing my own companies or whether that is, you know, with Anton J with my consulting company now to this day, uh, which I don't do much of, but Joe and Carlos run, you know, on, on, on that side of it, constantly in top 10 uh, consulting companies in the country, it's. You have to lead out of a problem, you know, and we don't, we very rarely at Anton J. Do we get calls for companies that are like, we're doing so well, it's awesome. And we just want to come in and bring us in and come in and help us go to another level. Very rarely. It's happened a couple of times, but it's always shocking to me. For the most part, it's people that are in trouble or they're stuck, right? Or they're frustrated or they don't know what to do like that, that type of a thing. And so. When I look at what's going on now, it's through the same lens. You have people on the the right, which is, you know, more Republican. I think everybody's identifying anything anti-liberal, anti-left, anti-Democrat as the right, which is a bad, it's a bad way to look at things because you're the, oh, you're on the alt-right. It doesn't matter. You're conservative. You're on the alt-right. What the hell does that mean? Like it, these words like racism, you know, calling people racist, it has no more impact anymore. It used to. It used to mean something. Now it's just like you know, I, I don't know, like you know, throw throw something at me and and I you know glue like glue it sticks to you. Like it's one of those childish bullshit words now. It doesn't hold any meaning. It holds no power. And so the same thing with with calling people alt right. It's like oh, just because you don't believe with communism, you're alt right all of a sudden. Which by the way, eliminated eliminated thirty percent of of uh of your centrist Democrats and push them to voting for Donald Trump. Right. And, and those those types of things. So, so for me, I look at where we are today and we don't have any leadership in either party that's saying Americans first, not party, right? Not Republican, not Democrat, not libertarian, not it's America first like that because as a strong comp- country, you can then help other people. Look, if we keep going down the path that we're going, you're gonna find out what, ha- what, a- what happens in the world when you have a dominant China and Russia that are ahead of, of America. We are the most giving, the most, the, the, the most industrious, the most problem-solving country in the history of mankind, in the history, right? And we can go back to, to metrics. Prior, you know, you go back 250 years, Abject poverty was at 90%, right? 10% lived above abject poverty levels. 250 plus years later, there's 10% live at abject poverty. 90% are living above poverty level. Now, where does what was the one thing that happened? The United States of America happened. And what specifically happened in the United States of America? A middle class emerged, right? And that middle class it, it leveled the playing field and and we give more and we're and we're able to start small businesses and mid-sized businesses and grow into large businesses and that kind of thing well they're currently ripping that middle rung of the of the the, the thing out called, called the middle class they're ripping it out and now you're going to go you're going to see everything like you're seeing right now death rates are on the rise all the stuff the misery index is on the rise all of it because we don't have anybody willing to lead we have leaders at the head of these parties, libertarian, Republican, Democrat, but they're not leaders of people, right? They're retention of power people. They're not leaders. And so what we need is we need people to come together around the concept of a strong America first policy and lead people left, right, center, all that kind of, all of those things, instead of doing this destruction of, of humanity kind of thing. So I've evolved from a Democrat to Republican to a libertarian and now really a patriot, I think is, is where I would an America first sort of patriot is where I would, 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 um, pigeonhole myself now.
0: Well, I've kind of, you know, as you know, my journey, I kind of went on a similar but different journey. I mean, I started out as a Kennedy Democrat, uh, Irish, of course, I mean, if I wasn't Kennedy Democrat, I'd be, uh, insane. Um, <laughs> And uh, then, you know, became a, a Maoist communist. Then, when I got disillusioned with that, kind of drifted back to the Democrats and then drifted away from them to be an independent with Ross Perot. Then I drifted to the Republicans and then kind of drifted to being a conservative because, once again, not big on parties, not big on following parties as if they got the answers because they don't. And, like you said, a lot of it is just keeping themselves in power and keeping the money flowing to them and to their, uh, friends and cronies. And then I kind of, at this point I would say, and then I've never became a libertarian, you know, although nowadays I, uh, work with a bunch of libertarians and have more respect for them as individuals and for some of what they believe as well. So mm-hmm. I've kind of, you know, uh, see a lot of good in that too. And then I would dec- define myself the same as you as a America first Patriot man. And, and um, I think that's kind of what's shifting because what right now it's people of all nationalities, working class and middle class that need to stand together because that's who's getting screwed uh, in this situation. And we'll get screwed further in this country as we go forward. So it's basically the working class of all nationalities and middle class have to stand together and find a way to take back uh, involvement in the political system and take back control Um, because we need we need a real change. Um, and we need to stop the way it's going because the drift is, is that definitely in a bad direction. It's not going to be
1: completely off. I mean, it's completely off. And I think that, you know, the, the only thing that scares me to, uh uh, 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 more than a, a left having complete control and having destroyed all resistance on the right is the right having full control and no resistance from the left.
0: <laughs> yeah, somehow I doubt that happening, but I, I, uh, No, because Republicans are pussies. Well, no, I I hear you in the sense that, you know, and this always baffles me that if anybody who thinks that, you know, we don't have a perfect system, we have a two party system, we have a republic. And when you look at countries that have a one party system, I'm like, so show me the country with a one party system that's better, because whether it's it doesn't matter what party it is, if you have a one party system, you have a worse society, as simple as that. You know, if you don't have competition, you have a worse society. You need that. So to think that, well, the Democrats should have power forever, or even the Republicans should have power forever. That would not be a good situation. It's the
1: conflict of ideas, That's you correct. know, that people come together, argue their constituencies, positions and compromise. And then something comes out that improves it life for everybody. Right. It's a give and a flow. It's an ebb and a flow. Uh, sort of situation. And now it's winner take all. I mean, it's just permeated our community and our our culture. And it's not, it, it never ends well for anybody, you know, and I, and I'd say, you know, not all Republicans and not all Democrats, like it's, it's, there's some great people on both sides of the equation, but for the most part, you, 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 you see the tendencies of, of how they address things and Republicans not fighting back hard enough. I think it's just people like me that are, really not haven't to this point in my life been super politically um, active that are going, okay, if I have to get politically active, it, you know, sacrifice this sacrifice that the good thing is I'm beyond the days where I could be canceled. Right. So like <laughs> too late, you know, you missed your chance. <laughs> so, you know, is what it is. But I think, um, I think a lot of people are going to this America first. They they they've tried to, uh, label those terms as alt-right and they have failed miserably because there's so many Democrats that believe the same way, that believe that America first patriotism is not a bad
0: thing. You know, and once again, they, they try and define it because at the end of the day, look, I marched, I marched in Tupelo, Mississippi in my 20s against the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. Um, I grew up in a, a, a black and Puerto Rican neighborhood where I was one of the only few white people. I marched against uh, the Nazis. You know, I have no love for, if you want to call that alt-right, the Klan and the Nazis, yeah, I'm cool with that because I I don't have uh, any love for them, just like I have no love for the communists or the anarchists. No Mm -hmm. love whatsoever because they're forces for for bad and evil, on both crazy sides. But being a conservative or being a libertarian is not being a Klan or a Nazi, Not, not even within 5 million miles close. It's, there's no connection whatsoever. And, and the people who are wanting to change the country for the people in this country right now, are people who are doing it because they love their families. They love their kids. They want a better society economically, um, educationally. Th- they know we can do better. And if that makes you supposedly all right, come on. You, you're you're it, an idiot. It's
1: you're- like the throwing around the word racist. I mean, it just doesn't have any meaning to it anymore it they have so overwhelmed like you know when when you have to res- resort to name calling in your argument your argument has failed it's failed if you have to call somebody a name at the you know to you're going oh well my idea your idea no my idea no my idea oh by the way you're a racist or you're a misogynist or you're a this or you're a that You've lost. The person calling the other person the name
0: is the loser every time. And you see, like last night when I was at that program and after the the military veterans were talking, you know, here was a group of veterans who are white, Hispanic, uh, black uh, men, women. And and what do they have in common? They loved each other. They were willing to die for each other. They actually went out there and put their lives on the line for each other and they were willing to do it again. And you look at that and say, that's the model. That's the, the, the example. And that's who we need. We are, most of us. And that's who we need to continue to be. Because it's not about, if people agree with me and they're bad people, I don't care. They're not my friend. You right. know, I, I don't judge people on, well, they agree with my politics or they agree with my religion. No, I judge them on, are you good or are you bad? If you're bad, I don't need you. I don't need to have you in my world just because you agree with the way I vote or the people I believe in. Nope, that's not how we do it. You know, and okay. I think- you, understand-
1: you know, people need to understand, like, you know, I've said this for many years, racism is dead. It's dead. And and the label, what happens when there are people that make decisions about people based on their skin color, and that's black to white, white to black, you know, brown to black, brown to-, to Um, you know, Asian, whatever it is, if there is a judgment based on, um, about another human being based on their skin color, that is stupid. You are being a stupid human being. Okay. That's number one. Number two, if it drives a policy in a business or a government, right? That is um, opportunism, because racism is dead. There, you just don't see it. In the military, you don't see it. In business, you don't see it. Like there's all these different places where, uh, you know, just walking down the street, you know, uh, going to the beach. that You just don't see it. And it's only the people that need to have control that put it out there. And people that need to have an excuse for failure are the ones that are us- utilizing that word. But that word died a long time ago. In its original form. We live in it. We live in a post uh, um, Martin Luther King world where his I have a dream speech. If you read it through that environment has existed. The things that he's saying going into a hotel, being able to get a you know, all of the things that he talks about in his I have a dream speech. They exist beyond Right. Beyond that, the opportunity for anyone of color in this country is greater than any other country, any other time, at, at and and sometimes even more so than for somebody with white skin. Right. Which is great. It's great. It just means that racism doesn't exist. That we've been able to do away with that and say the content of someone's character, the competence of their behavior, the outcome and the results of, of what they think and what they do is more important than the color of their skin, which to me is this common sense thing. It's a common sense thing. To, to well, judge somebody on the basis of their colors is idiotic.
0: Well, you know, you look at yourself, all the businesses you've ran and you've run many. Would you ever hire somebody because they were white if they were not as good as somebody else? Would you ever do I, that?
1: I would. I don't. It has nothing to do with skin color. That would be the dumbest That's way right. to formulate a government. That's right. Hint <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> is to have everybody with that checks the box. You have, you know, you have Pete Buttigieg. That guy shouldn't be running a dog, a dog care center, much less transportation in the United States of America, right? You have a health minister that that is, is anything but healthy. You know what I mean? Like you you have all of these people. You have people running the government. It's just like, oh, let's check a box. You have a Supreme Court justice. That, that they're putting out there because she fits a model who gives light sentences to child predators. Like what you, you go back to Kavanaugh, you know, and I, I just kind of posted something about this today. You go back to Kavanaugh. They, they went all the way back to his high school and pulled out his, his, um, his, uh, what do you call it? That, that they, the, the, um, the calendar, right? And, and they had the calendar they had to go all the way back to his calendar to try to figure out a way to to say that he wasn't uh, um, viable for the Supreme court. And they got all of his records and all of his stuff and all of the, the different things they got from him. And yet we have now we're putting a, a Supreme court justice forward where the Biden administration has blocked the sentencing of child predators by this judge so that nobody could review them. Not just Americans can't see it, senators and people that are going to be making about decisions about seating on uh, this person on the highest court. You cannot see they're blocking her records to how she judged on child predator cases, which you can go back and you can find some of them and dig in and find out she was very lenient on men and women and institutions and groups of people that were abusing children sexually, light sentences. But we're gonna seat her. It, it's the, to me. You go back to your business. Your business question. Formulating a business, an institution, or anything, any group of people to be successful based on skin color, sexual joy, all of them, all of the stuff, right, is stupid. You pick people because of their attitude, how they fit the culture, their competence to be able to do the job. And how they align with the culture of that company. Period. End of sentence.
0: Well, you know, we're get we're coming to the uh, to the end. I mean, it's like two hours. It's like God, man. You know, we could probably go for six, eight, ten, man. Now, knowing the stuff we, uh, to talk about with you, but one of the things, you know, uh, just a quick little uh pivot, and then I'm gonna pivot back. But one of the things you did for for a little while too was you stepped into the world of comedy and became the Bald Avenger. You've done like three hundred podcast shows now as the Bald Avenger. And um I, I got to see in Salt Lake City when you performed the first time uh, as the uh, comedic Bald Avenger, which was uh, hilarious, man. But you know now more than ever, I think too, you know, we need a sense of humor about all of this. And obviously, you know, cancel culture would like to cancel people who make uh have a, a sense of humor who have an ability to laugh because now laugh laughing is is hurtful laughing is illegal laughing is oh you know you're going to hurt somebody's feelings so we can't even have fun anymore um but you know response to that is uh, too bad and you know keep doing it keep uh keep being funny keep uh telling humor and and laughing at the situation and laughing at the stupidity of what's going on in our world today because you got to have a sense of humor about it because the stupidity is freaking mind bothering. Um, and rather than getting overwhelmed or depressed about it, you got to laugh at it and just keep moving forward, making things better. But you deviated for a little bit or pivoted. I won't call it deviated, just pivoted and took on another fun thing to do as the uh, comedian, the world Avenger, which was hilarious. So just a moment on that and we'll pivot back to get to the end.
1: Yeah, it's um, you know, I've got a couple of really great shows written and ready to go, you know, when and if I decide to go down that path, but I mean, you saw the content that I, that I attacked. I, I don't, I didn't become a comedian because I wanted to be, you know, um, wildly rich because I was a famous comedian. I did it because I think the driving impact of the, the greatest world changing comics did it because they had something to say and the way to, to, to tell, you know, I mean, you go, you go back to any of the greats, right. You go back to, um, you know, what they were talking about, they were addressing a societal ill of the time and they were doing it in a way that would bring, you know, Richard Pryor, bringing whites and blacks together in a, in an environment to make fun of things, to make fun of things on the black side and on the white side, but to bring them together around this concept of, of, uh, of laughter. And that's the only reason I wanted to go down that path and still am on that path because at the end of the day, People ask me all the time, all the dark stuff that you see, Jason, how do you keep a a happy look on your face? And It was because of a conversation with a mentor that told me, hey, you know, if you become depressed, if you start whining and bitching and moaning and complaining about everything and that's all you ever do, people are going to get tired of being around you, right? So I took, I adopted the, uh, the uh, identity of a happy warrior. There's nothing we could be in the middle of, uh, of of course, there's times to, to take things serious, but we could be at four o'clock in the morning about ready to to you know handle some really bad business with some really bad people. and I'm cracking jokes, I'm keeping people light. I'm doing you know the the things that I need to do to make sure that we're here and enjoying ourselves. because if I have a team if you know if Pastor Rudy puts together a team of 30 people and we're all upset or depressed or whatever, we're going to be ineffective at rescuing that one child. We're going to be ineffective at at um, going out and seeing the things that we see and fighting the political battle against people that don't that don't even believe that trafficking is real you it's for some people they they've called it a conspiracy theory again sorry i've been on way too many missions to you know that that's a a conspiracy theory that's right in your face but you know so at, at the end of the day you you get to this place where you 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 know where i got to where i'm going to ha- i have to say something and I did it in a comedic way. I took on white privilege, as you know, right? I took on toxic masculinity, as you know. And the idea that if you're on the left side of the comedy aisle, which 90% of the people comedians are, you can say whatever you want. You know, this, this uh, guy who's dating Kardashian now, Pete, whatever his name is, making jokes about the, uh, sexualizing a child. Like, that's disgusting to me. But you know what? He's going to pay no price. Why? because he's on the left That's right. because he makes, he makes fun of everybody that's conservative center, right. You know, Christian it makes fun of all of them. So he's their guy, but sexualizing a child in his jokes and his comedy routine, there's nothing funny about that. Right. And, and the more disgusting that you can get on the left, the better, the, the more funny they think it is, but I think it's gross. So my, it was a reaction and continues to be a reaction to the fact that there are far too few people that are center right, right that that are in the comedy space that need to be making fun of Joe Biden is the you know as the worst president that has ever graced the planet of this earth ever, including who has surrounded him, right? Who including these these token uh, appointments that they're making with horrifically incompetent people. I don't care what they look like. It doesn't matter to me what they do sexually. They're terrible at their job and shouldn't be in it, right? And so we look at our, our government. You have Republicans on the left or on the right that have been there forever that do nothing but pad their own their own nest and yep. make laws to, to, to against the rest of us. They suck. And yep. somebody needs to tell them that they suck and somebody needs to vote them the hell out of office. Now we've got control over the uh you know the the machines and and you know the fraud of 2020 election and all the other stuff that that has taken place I don't know bro we might have already lost control like we already we might have already lost control and I'm still going to love life the day after I figure out we're communists now I'm still going to love life right oh you know, we're tyrannical. Oh, China's my boss now. Okay. You know, I'm still going to be, I'm going to fight the fight. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to fight for freedom for other people. I'm going to con- constantly improve myself and I'm going to love life doing it. I'm going to have tequila with you. Me and Emily are going to run around doing the things that we do. I'm going to have a good time because you can't stop. You could throw me in prison. You could throw me wherever you want to. You could torture me. You could kill me. You could do whatever it is. But the one thing that you cannot impact or affect or impact it or, or, or uh, adjust in me is how I feel. Yes. Can make me hurt. Can make me, you can starve me. You could do all of those things, but I get to choose what I do with that.
0: Well, I know years. Yeah. I, I remember you once talked about him and, and we've talked about, but it's like the book by Viktor Frankl, um, man, man search for man meaning, Yeah, man search for meaning. And you're hundred percent right because that's, you know, what a great powerful book and what a great message and what he experienced under, you know. Uh, Uh, in the Holocaust and under the Nazis. But once again, the power of you can't take away the meaning you give to something. And you have that, we have that. And and that's, you know, I I agree with you 100%. We're going to drink tequila, we're going to have fun. And at the same time, you can do everything you can. Because I I seen communism up close and personal and um, it's the last thing that's needed in america but it's also the last thing that's needed anywhere as well because the chinese people deserve better they deserve freedom the north korean people deserve freedom you know people do not deserve to live under that kind of regimes but you know the fight goes on and we'll continue well we deserve
1: what we uh, what we accept
0: yeah and, but you they're know in a situation I- that they don't have an ability because they don't have ability to get weapons they don't have an ability to fight back and nevertheless They are still fighting back. I, I, you know, and on many levels, we don't see what goes on under the ground in China, but there is people and there are movements that are working to get rid of that tyrannical regimes.
1: There's a billion of them and maybe like 500,000. There's a billion Chinese and maybe 500,000 at the top end.
0: The Party leadership, right? Yep. <laughs> right? So yeah, no, it is. And remember, we never thought that the Soviet Union was going to collapse and the wall was going to come down. I was with a um, old military veteran uh, a couple of days ago. He got a chance to run the first marathon of his life in Germany. It was when he was in the military, he ran from West Germany to East Germany when the wall came down. What a freaking experience to be able to. Wow go and see what freedom accomplished and you know so freedom does win and even if it takes a long time i believe i'm optimistic i think freedom wins uh, it's just a matter of when so we'll stay optimistic as i try and wrap up with you um tell me just on your whole you've been on a, a hell of a, a, a speaking tour across the country tell us you know tell us a little bit about that and uh, you know um what you learned from it, the people you connected with, the audience, just the impact that it's had on you as well.
1: Yeah, it's it, you know it's interesting because the the reason why I think that I've gotten invited to do the things that I do is because I'm not, I, you know, the the I, I'm I'm going to say what I believe, and I have been wrong multiple times on a lot of stuff, but not in the last two years, right? <laughs> I have. <laughs> A scary good record over the last couple of years. And, and so, you know, being able to stand up and say, okay, I'm going to put my stuff on the line and I'm going to do it uh, for no other purpose than standing up for my country. It's the least I can do. I mean, we have people that are dying in service, right? In, that are sta- stepping in front of bullets. The least I can do is use my platform and my ability that God's given me over the years to be able to develop a way to communicate to large groups of people to say, hey, there's some stuff going on here that's wrong. you know, and I have people on the right that hate me just as bad as people on the left because there's there's a a, a pragmatism to freedom, right? There's a pragmatism to sovereignty. There's a there's a an, an individual one-on-one presence conversation that that you can only have in person that will shift for somebody from fear to inspiration, to move them into understanding that freedom, and your rights do not come from man they don't come from the president of the united states they don't come from the president of of china the the premier of this country the premier of that country it comes from god that's the concept of sovereignty right you are sovereign unto yourself and being able to um transmit that and sit back and you know and do the things I i could be on permanent vacation bro you know that to sit back and to do that and go hey whatever happens with the world i'm good. And But again, that wouldn't have made me proud to be my children's father. That's not the decision I made. I said, let me go out on the stages. Let me—I'll travel with General Flynn and Lee Dundas and all the the people, and I'll go out and I'll talk to people and tell them my perspective. I'm not as 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 um, you know. I don't I don't know what the word is that I want to use, but I'm not as as far right as everybody thinks I am. And I'm definitely not far left, but that middle of the road, I had somebody tell me one time, Jason, the only thing in the middle of the road is roadkill. And I guess that's the, the fight. That's the, the hill I decide to die on is to say, there's a, there's a middle of the road, right? There is, a, there is a way that we can all bring this back together, that we can get rid of the criminals that, are, that happen to call themselves our leaders right now, and that we can take this country back and have another 250 years of prosperity but we have to come together as people, you know, and I can't make everybody hate me that, you know, cause the people that don't like me are the people that are at the heads of cartels or gangs that are getting losing their, their profit because of the work we're doing in trafficking. The, the Republicans or the Democrats that are getting, you know, spoken out against and are being primaried and getting kicked out of their office for, you know, lesser known, uh, America first Patriots. Right. Um, those, that that causes a bunch of discomfort on both sides of the of the control factor. So, you know, I, so I think that the good thing is that this is happening right now because we still have an opportunity to be able to change it, to rise up and say I'm not going to divide, I'm not going to hate my fellow neighbor. What we're going to do is we're going to go back and we're going to take over our the control of our government. We're going to take control of our our of our um how they have, you know, massively created an antitrust situation in this country. We're gonna take that over so that we can have competition, uh, ethical competition happening again. We're gonna, um, you know, get the 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 laws passed to protect the most vulnerable. We're gonna take care of our most vulnerable. We're gonna create opportunity for our most vulnerable, and we're gonna do that together. So that's what drew me out to the to to go speak. Is because I was saying stuff that most people aren't. It's either all hate or all hate or whatever it was. Practical solutions and General Flynn. I think that is why we've gotten along. Is because he's saying, "Look, live local, right? Do your do your local thing, and and improve things there, and then that has eventually has national impact." Um. So it's been it's been a crazy tour. It's been a crazy couple of years, and um, you know, and I've really enjoyed myself. I. I can't, I, throughout history, I couldn't pick a better time to want to be alive than right now. And, you know, after all the things that we talk about, people were like, God, how you know, what it, it, I'm, you gotta be excited, right? If you've ever wanted opportunity in your life right now is the time staring you in the face. When things are running well, this goes back to my career as a turnaround specialist. If companies weren't screwed up, I would have no opportunity. I would have never been able to make anything of myself if every company was ran perfectly. This country's not run perfectly, the world's not going perfectly. And in those situations, if you genuinely want to be a leader and you genuinely want to want to participate in opportunity, now's the time. Because to, to your point, John, the spirit that built the United States of America, the spirit that has freed men and women and children around the world in their own countries, freedom-loving countries, we're not the only one, right? freedom loving countries that spirit is going to be the thing that wins the day you have entire alternative economy developing under our feet that is going to be the those are going to be the companies of the future the telegrams the rumbles the 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 ones that are giving people the ability to free speech you know, those, those companies, there will be a backlash on the, on the antitrust of Google, the antitrust of Apple, Amazon, all these companies that are doing as well as they're doing because they're crushing competition through an unholy alliance with criminal politicians, right? And the media is their lapdogs in their, in their speaking points. So that's why I went out on the road. That's what I do when I go speak is, at, is inspire people that they are the, they are their, the hero in their own story and give them practical tools of how to be able to do that.
0: You know, I mean, that's great, because you reminded me, uh, Jason, I was at a rally a couple of years ago, political rally, conservative rally, and there was a young uh, uh, Antifa kid who was there uh, counter-protesting, and he was arguing with the people, and it was kind of like a nasty heated argument, and I kind of intervened, and I started talking to the kid, And I just said to him, I said, you know, uh, let me just uh, say, you know, uh, one, you're courageous for being out here for uh, for one. I said, and two, I said, I just want to say to you, you know, I was like you when I was 18 years old. I said, matter of fact, you were probably a lot more conservative than me. I said, I was hanging out with the Black Panthers and the Black Muslims and trying to overthrow the U.S. government. And I got an FBI record. And I said, but, you know, you have your ideas and you you think they're right. And I thought all my ideas were right. I said, but, you know, you need to just think some more. You need to read more and not just the opinion that you believe right now. And I said, you know, I respect that you that you're that you're willing to take action, but you got to do some more thinking. And so anyway, I, I I had this conversation with the kid and and everybody else was angrily trying to shout at him. And I was having a real respectful And maybe because I was him at one point in my life, I understood that, where his intentions were. But at the end of the day, it was like when we finished the conversation, he thanked me and he said, I thank you so much for the way you treated me and you had that conversation with me. And I think that's somewhat like you laid out in that whole thing. That's what we can bring is that we don't have to bring anger, hatred and any of that nonsense to the conversation. You know, we can bring happiness and love and compassion and just some damn uh, dialogue, humor and and find a way to get people to, you know, think a little bit more. You know, begin to like have this conversation. I can talk to anybody. I'm not afraid. I know you can talk to anybody and you're not afraid. That's what people need to learn is to be able to have those conversations and not be afraid. It's like what's the big deal? you know, yeah. grow and, you know, grow. And so you shared a, a ton of stuff, um, you know, and, and we could go on, like I said, uh, uh, Christopher uh, said, you know, we could do a 10 hour uh, show. So, um, <laughs> and I'm sure we could, you know, over tequila would be a lot more fun. Oh, it
1: would see. be, it would be out of control.
0: <laughs> we ought to do
1: like, we ought to do like a, a monthly, like, you know, John and Jason do tequila, like, you know, you know <laughs>
0: I'm liking that. I, steak and tequila. We'll have steak and tequila. There you um, go. But but I I would like I would like to do that. We should have one of those nights. That would be fun, man. Yeah. Do a live show. It would like probably
1: that. need to be deleted immediately. But but you know whatever.
0: Well, we can uh, record it and then we can decide whether.
1: Th- that, yes. That, whether we want to air it or not.
0: Yeah. Or, or we can like <laughs> give it to somebody. So they That's think the issue though. They can, though. Not, I, they can I, blackmail I, us with it.
1: I look, if I'm not, if, if you don't have, because I would say, I say the same stuff sober that I would when I'm drinking tequila. I know you do. I know you do. So
0: <laughs> just is you what speak it a is. little slower when you're drinking, but you know, just a little person,
1: slower. Each,
0: yeah. yeah. A little slower. shots we have. What, I, I remember that night in Salt Lake, that was one hell of a fun night. Um, oh, but, blast. But we, we definitely did it. Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Jason. I don't know if you want to finish on any note, if you want to say anything else. But I, but I think we covered a ton, a ton of material uh, for people and giving people a lot to think about and uh, a lot to um, reflect on.
1: Well, a couple of things, you know, I, I believe that, you know, to your point of yelling at that boy or, or you know, giving him some, you know, wisdom uh, from your from your experience. It's, you know, that's that statement. I don't know who said it to me first, but it stuck is a, a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. Mm. And and that's what, you know, I, I love having Democrats on my show. I love having Republicans on my show. I love having people that can, you know, explain their their position so that I can become more educated on what I say and the and ultimately what actions I take. Right. Because that I know is going to be my legacy is when you string together all of my behaviors, the results that those behaviors uh, create is called my legacy. That's going to be the results of my life. And I want that the standard of that. I want it to be high and I want it to be something that that gives my family pride to to carry on that legacy and to continue in that fashion. And that doesn't mean destroying other people. And people get angry when I have Democrats on, I don't destroy them. When I get Republicans on, I don't destroy them. I want to hear what's driving them and what they suggest. Or are they just throwing bombs? You know, because there's a lot of that out there in the especially in the Patriot space. People throwing bombs because it, it gets people hyped up, you know. Nobody knows what it means, but but it's provocative, it gets the people going. There's got to be common sense solutions, and you and we all have to be the ones that participate in it because it's our government. While it still is, it's our government. We have to watch the vote. We have to make sure people are, you know, at the polls. We have to make sure that, that, you know, we have access to the machines afterward. We have to do those things to maintain the uh, the opportunity for us to have any say whatsoever that goes on, not in our, not just in our generation, but the generations to come. And John, um, you know, I, I, I like to say a lot that we, are going to be judged. Every generation is judged on how they treat their children, their veterans, and their elderly, you know, and we're doing a piss poor job on all of that right now. So we, I would hate to be one, a part of one of the first generations that leaves things worse off and you doing your show and stepping up and, you know, making your movies and the, because the projects that you do, I know you believe in and you're doing, you're doing work with people that are bringing great messages. You and I are looking to work to do, to bring one of those stories to life as we speak. And, you know, and, and I just want everybody to know how proud of you I am and proud to call you, my friend, proud to call you, my brother, to know that if the phone rang at, you know, three o'clock and I needed you, or you needed me, that we'd be there for each other. And, and, um, and I love the hell out of
0: you, brother. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been an honor. Hey, it's, uh, it's the same back at you, man. You know, I, I love your brother. And um, every time we've been together in person, it's been a great experience. And like you said, you know, we just, uh, and we're going to have a lot more going forward and anything I can do to support what you're doing. And because w- what it is, you know, it's about action. It's about getting in there and doing the best we can and, you know, um, and enjoying life because at the end of the day, We'll, we'll make the contributions we can make, but we'll, we'll we'll at least show people by our example, not just our talk. And you're you're somebody. You are a happy warrior. You're somebody who's. It's just a, a pleasure to always hang with, and you got a lot of wisdom and a lot of message. And you know, I, like yourself, I mean, I I just like people who come from the bottom and make it and, and make it because it's just proof that it doesn't matter where you start out. It's up yeah. to you. Where you end up and what contribution you make to the world. And at the end of the day, it's about service. And you're one of the biggest service warriors I know, man. So I I truly appreciate you and love you, brother. And thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Love you too, brother. Thank you.
0: All right. Have a great one. Take care, bro. Whoa. So that was uh, two plus hours. Uh, uh, what a, a hell of a show. Uh, if you, if you, can find a way. It's much better than watching anything on Netflix. Um, If you're going to do some uh, spending two hours uh, watching something, this is the thing to watch. There isn't a show on Netflix that even comes close. So the information is great. Uh, This is an incredible uh, courageous warrior who's done so much in his life, overcome so much in his life and Jason Cisneros. So I hope you get a chance to uh, take the time, watch the show. I want to thank everybody. We didn't get a chance to really uh, weigh in on people, but a lot of people jumped in and, uh, you know, I tried to uh, put their comments up on screen, but I didn't have a chance to actually uh, thank them and welcome them. So for the audience and everybody who's watched it live and everybody who will watch it in uh, the future, thank you so much for checking this out. Hope that it inspires you. Hope that it impacts your life. Hope that it gets you to both uh, take action, uh, get involved, get involved in service and, and get involved in changing things for the better in whatever way you decide that you need to do that so live courageously uh faith over fear and next week i have another a great guest ron weinrich who is an american israeli who is a uh talented singer and he was also a warrior who uh served in the israeli army a tank commander got blown up and ended up uh in a wheelchair, and once again, is a courageous warrior that overcame. Just love him as well. So keep joining me every Sunday at 12 p.m. for Live Courageously, and uh, take that into account in your life. Live Courageously. Thank you, everybody, and God bless.